Hello and welcome to The Hill on perhaps one of the most consequential days in the race for the White House. Donald Trump's attorney went before the Supreme Court today to try to get him back on the ballot in the state of Colorado. And that is not even the biggest story today. You are looking live right now at the White House, where President Biden now has a host of questions coming his way. As the special counsel investigating Biden's handling of classified documents has said the president, quote, willfully retained and disclosed classified material after his vice presidency. Meantime, half a world away, the Tucker Carlson, Vladimir Putin interview is about to be released. What Russia's leader had to say and why on earth are we talking about politics in the Virgin Islands? Believe it or not, Donald Trump and Nikki Haley are actually watching. We have a lot to get to. Thanks for being with us here on The Hill. I'm Blake Berman, joined today by Abisha Cross, Democratic strategist and former Obama campaign advisor. Ashley Davis is a former official in the George W. Bush White House. Max Rose, of course, the former congressman from the state of New York. Lauren Wright is a Princeton University political scientist. And May Mailman, joining us remotely, hanging out for the hour, former Trump White House attorney. The Hill on News Nation starts right now. My gosh, what happened today? Come on in. Thanks for being with us here on The Hill and right off the top from The Hill. We'll get to what the left and the right are both saying. But first, the facts. President Biden will not be prosecuted for mishandling classified documents. The special counsel, Robert Hur, who was appointed by the attorney general Merrick Garland, has alleged the following against the commander in chief, that Biden held on to top secret documents relating to the war in Afghanistan. That Biden also told his ghostwriter for his memoir that he, quote, found all the classified stuff downstairs, end quote. And that Biden also knew that notebooks that he had contained classified information and he talked about some of it with his ghostwriter. Now, you might be wondering why no charges are being brought then against the sitting president. Now, in his report, heard her rather laid out multiple reasons of why he thought a jury could find reasonable doubt. And that includes the following. Biden's experience of viewing classified materials could be viewed as, quote, unremarkable and forgettable, end quote. Her also says prosecutors could not prove he had documents in his Virginia home in 2017 when he was no longer in office. Biden also argued that notebooks were his personal property, an argument that her said Ronald Reagan also once once used. Now, this afternoon, President Biden celebrated the decision. I was pleased to see they reached the conclusion I believed and knew all along they would, that there are no charges should be brought in this case. But I was especially pleased to see the special counsel make clear the stark differences between this case and Donald Trump. So those were the facts. But perhaps the most damning line in the report about the 81-year-old president seeking re-election is this, quote, we have also considered that at trial. Mr. Biden would likely present himself to a jury, as he did during our interview, as a sympathetic, well-meaning, elderly man with a poor memory. Hello to you all. Thanks for being with us here on The Hill. Former congressman from New York, you told me you'd rather talk about the weather and the Knicks. But we ain't talking about the Knicks. That was a confidence, though. Um, How do you defend Biden here? Well, he's 100% right. 
first of all, that there's a clear difference established between the reckless disregard for law and order that Donald Trump displayed after the documents were requested of him versus how um, Joe Biden responded, cooperating every step of the way. Now, of course, no one is happy with that line. You can't be. It'd be preferable for a Biden he sex also, tape to be released. <laughs> but it, it's not, in the end, in the end, try to... Uh, I'm getting that. I actually think it's worse, what they said. They, they said he could not remember when he was vice president, forgetting on the first day of the interview when his term ended, and forgetting on the second day of the interview when his term began. He did not even remember when his son, Bo, died. How do you defend him when we know the issues are, essentially, is he with it? I could say that this is a high-pressure environment, and at the end of the day, a lot of people forget certain details in high-pressure environments. We've seen the love, specifically, that Joe Biden has for his um, for his begotten son, Bo. And at the end of the day, he has talked about him incessantly in multiple conversations, and I think that that, that legacy is what it is. This is damning. It is almost to the extent that the James Comey memo was damning for Hillary. And I say that because um, obviously we're months out. This is not an an October surprise. However, I do think that it plays into the hands of those who consistently talk about Biden's age. And many of those are Democratic voters. So I think that this is not necessarily the most helpful for Joe Biden. And he's got a lot to recover from. Nikki Haley is calling for a cognitive test. Ashley. Well, I mean, I obviously think she should, but she should also do it. And she's also doing it with both other candidates, which I think is probably the right thing. I think you're exactly right, though, that and I still believe that this is more damaging than him actually being charged, because I don't think that the American people could understand all the nuances of this. But I do think that this narrative of him not being completely there is very damaging. But nothing's changed, right? We all watch him day to day. This is not a new phenomenon. We've known that he's not really with it, and he's sort of out to lunch constantly. But just to help out my Democratic friends here, I don't think people care about this. I really don't. I don't think it's anything You don't think they care? I think it's very, very low on their list of priorities. And I'll go one step further. If Republicans focus on Joe Biden's age being the main problem with him, then they're not talking about the policies. So I actually don't think it's a good campaign strategy, and I think they need to let this go a little bit. And as well, the Ashley thing is, said, the, the two front-runner candidates for both parties are they're both older old. men. Yeah. It is what it is. You have uh, Donald Trump out here confusing Nancy Pelosi and Nikki Haley. Yeah. You have him making bomb sounds. Like, Joe I don't Biden, even know what the hell Joe that Biden was. Twi- <laughs> Biden twice, this, twice this week, he had mentioned that he had spoken to former foreign leaders in Europe, and they were let, dead. Let's keep in mind that this was a former Trump administration official that issued this, this report and cleared Joe Biden of any wrongdoing, establishing the fact, so, yet again, that President Biden acts within the rule of law, and Donald Trump but, does not. But the other reality is, the chief law enforcement officer of the United States of America is the president of the United States. Correct. For this president, for every other president before, and every president coming forward. And so Merrick Garland is his attorney general. Merrick Garland is the one who, who pointed uh, her. Um, and here's the, here's the statement from Donald Trump, quote, This has now proven to be a two-tiered system of justice and unconstitutional selective prosecution. The Biden documents case is 100 times different and more severe than mine. I will explain why Robert Hur says that is not the case in a second. May Mailman, former Trump White House attorney, come on in. May, um, what do you make of it? Yeah, so I do think that Trump's theme of the difference in the way that he and Biden were treated is something that a lot of Republicans and a lot of Americans do feel that there is just an unfairness that the this 
we're not sure we're going to get a fair shake because there are people who are treated specially, and Biden is one of those. So here, the, the special prosecutor did not find that Biden acted within the law. Quite the opposite. He said that violated, Biden violated the law, and actually the evidence shows that he did so willfully. He was there to try and spite Obama. He was keeping these documents to show that he told Obama he was wrong and that he was right, and he was trying to prove his legacy. Of course, his Afghanistan policy has proven to be an epic disaster. So he had willfully and he had like all the elements of the crime, but then decided not to charge because someone could think that it was not willfully because basically Biden is not mentally with it. So this is something that if you had done the same for Trump or for a Republican, there was definite evidence of collusion with Russia. We found the crime. We found the intent. Okay. But Trump is crazy. He's crazy. So, so, so we're so not going to charge him. Would, you, you could ask would the never question. Fly. Yeah, so you could ask the question, if you, if you use the word Trump instead of Biden, would, would it have been different, right? Well, th that's one question. And then it also turns out, by the way, Donald Trump has his own documents case of his own. And if you're wondering, what's the difference between Joe Biden and Donald Trump? Here is how the special, uh, the special counsel laid it out, basically the difference. With Donald Trump, uh, Biden returned the documents, her notes. Trump did not. Trump allegedly obstructed justice by enlisting others to destroy evidence. He also lied about it. Uh, Biden returned documents, consented to search of multiple locations, May. So, so that's the difference. So is there an argument? What, what is the argument then, the two-tiered justice system? Well, I think the big argument with Trump's activities is that Trump was the president of the United States and had the classification authority. So when Trump says these are my documents, I declassified them, and, and you know what? It's not your business what I did with them, they're mine anyway. They are personal records. Trump actually has a legal argument for that because the president can deem documents personal and but that lying, but potentially is not lying a to the FBI question. and but potentially lying to the FBI may and lying potentially to your own attorney. That's where he gets in trouble, right? Well but that's not I mean the the willful the obstruction of justice question, I think, if we're going to get into that then really just points to the ghostwriter here who has all of these classified yeah. recordings. We, and then we haven't even gotten to the... Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, we haven't even gotten to the ghostwriter because there was a ghostwriter for, for President Biden, uh, former Vice President Biden at the time who was writing the memoir, and that ghostwriter deleted information that they had and they're not charging the ghostwriter at all and they should all know better and I, I, one of the comments that you put up earlier is that biden the pre, you know former vice president at the time didn't realize they're classified documents anyone that's worked in the white house here or you as a former congressman understands when there's a classified document i mean come on that, that's okay. not a good argument but to go back to your what you said is whether it's the Trump supporters who think that he's wrongfully accused or the Biden supporters who think he's, you know, that still if he's too old, it doesn't matter. I think you're exactly right. I don't think this is going to change the dynamic of who's voting for who. Well, the classified okay. documents, both classified documents cases didn't move the needle for Democrats when it was Joe Biden. It didn't move the needle for Republicans when it was Donald Trump. American people aren't voting on classified documents cases. They simply do not care. It, I will say it did move the needle a little bit for Trump across all of these cases. It's the only one that lowered opinion of him among Republicans, marginally so, but people He's get... He's got 95 plus other charges. So yes, that's exactly that right. was one story today, <laughs> just one. <laughs> now there's this here in Washington, historic arguments at the Supreme Court, the justices appearing uh, a bit reluctant, you, you could say easily, 
to take the extraordinary step of disqualifying the former president, Donald Trump, from appearing on a state's ballot, in this case, Colorado. The case is centered on that state Supreme Court ruling that the former president is not eligible to be on the Colorado ballot because of the 14th Amendment's ban on insurrectionists serving in office. Here's part of the defense that was put forth by Trump's attorney. This was a riot. It was not an insurrection. The events were shameful, criminal, violent, all of those things, but it did not qualify as insurrection. I mean, the whole point of the 14th Amendment was to restrict state power, right? Now, we don't know when the Supreme Court may rule. It actually could be in, I don't know, maybe a a week or two. This is on a, a fast track right now. It has taken the case on an expedited basis until uh, there is a Trump decision. Trump's name will remain on the ballot. May you listen to all of this earlier today. Your takeaway in part was that even some of the little uh, the liberal justices on the court were skeptical. Yeah, in fact, I think some of the uh, justices appointed by Democrat presidents were more like wanted to be more aggressive even than Trump's attorney. So Trump's attorney, Jonathan Mitchell, I was a little bit concerned about that pick because he's a pretty aggressive guy. He used to be the Texas Solicitor General. um, And yet he made a very nuanced case. He was not trying to uh, to go further than these justices were willing. So uh, it was a very good day for Trump and his attorneys. I would say the only justice, the only justice who seemed open to supporting the Colorado uh, challengers cause and their legal arguments was Sotomayor. But she Hmm. did not have a good day herself because she wasn't even familiar with some of the cases that were being addressed. So uh, that it it just it was not it was not good for the other side. Hmm. Are, Are you are you good? With his name being taken off the ballot in Colorado for this reason? No. Stupid. Stupid, stupid, stupid. One of the stupidest things the Democratic Party, anyone affiliated with them, has done in modern political history. How so? Because Donald Trump is a disaster. He's a wreck of a human being and incapable of any level of leadership. And what we need to do is litigate that. Remind people the chaos that was the Donald Trump presidency, not try to restrict the choice in and of itself. It's insane. And if there is a reason why Donald Trump will be politically successful, it will be because of this. I said said from the beginning, let the people decide. At the end of the day, Trump's going to win his party's nomination. That is absolutely fundamentally clear. And at this point, you know, I I don't think that he stands a chance of winning the general. However, trying to remove him from the ballot was always a bad idea. And it wasn't going to receive the support of these. May you think this is a a 9081 somewhere in there? I'm I I think. Probably 8-1. I still see okay. Justice Sotomayor's uh, holdout, but um, Justice Kagan, she was very concerned about the chaos. Well, what happens when every state does whatever they want? It can't right. be reviewed. Okay. And there was no good answer. So, yeah, 9-0 or 8-1. All right. May stick around. Coming up here on the Hill, we'll get reaction from Donald Trump's campaign about today's Supreme Court hearing and the Biden investigation. Jason Miller, one of the senior advisors to the president, expected to join us in about 30 minutes time here on the Hill. And that right there is a live look uh, sundown in the Virgin Islands. Why are we talking about the Virgin Islands? Believe it or not, there's a race in the Republican primary there today. We'll explain what all of that means. And as Nikki Haley tries to plow forward, Ashley, you ready to defend what she's doing? I'm I'm ready. You ready? Mm -hmm. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Keep going forward. 
Till Super Tuesday. Till Super Tuesday. Okay. What Ashley's hearing, what Ashley's thinking with the Haley campaign as the Hill returns. Stay with us. All right, welcome back here to The Hill on News Nation. So you might know that the Republican caucus in Nevada is going on tonight. Former President Donald Trump is running in it virtually unchallenged. But there is another vote that's being held elsewhere today at the same time, right now. The U.S. Virgin Islands with four delegates up for grabs. Now, both Trump and Nikki Haley are head-to-head on the ballot. No GOP candidate has gone to the U.S. territory, but Haley has appeared virtually. Now, get this. There are three voting locations. A chicken shack a rum bar, and Bluebeard's Resort. Sounds fun. Uh, Ashley Davis. Yes. You are part of Nikki Haley's world, her orbit. What's, what's going on? She's... Well, I was saying, well, first of all, I was saying during break, we've never been to the Virgin Islands. Yeah, that'd be, well, that'd be one we'd want to cover. Go to the Why not? I'll take that aside. Yeah, no bar what's her first. thinking? Like, she's running... She... She's still raising a lot of money, let's just okay. say. So the Virgin Islands, the only reason it's important to her at all right now is if she could get any momentum coming out of some of her big losses. I'm just but, I'm saying generally. Like, no, she, I know, I get it. I just yeah. was saying that. And it's only for three of our delegates. But I think she's still raising money. She just raised another 1.7 over the last two days in California. She, there is no reason that she's getting out of the race before Super Tuesday. And I don't know if she's going to lose by 30 points in South Carolina. I don't think anyone does. She doesn't believe that. Um, but if she has a showing that's decent, I know you're going to show all the polls that says she's no, down. Uh, we could show the polls that, that's, that show she's down. But what I was, if, if you say there's no way that she gets out before Super Tuesday and you don't think she's going to lose by 30 in her home state, what if it's a double-digit loss? in her home state. I don't care how much money you have at that point. How can you make the case that you're viable? Um, I don't know how she does that, and I don't know what the strategy is. She just wants to make sure that she get, does better than she does in New Hampshire, if she can. So it wouldn't be 11 points, even if it's 10 or 9. She has the ability to say that I have all this money going in, and I'm going to states that actually aren't as conservative, and why not continue to? I mean, she for, fundamentally believes that Biden and Trump are not the right people that should be up against every, you know, the and, only two people as choices. And from everything you've heard, she will not drop out before South Carolina. Is everything, I mean, look, how many times can we say yes? Uh, I definitely do not think she drops out before okay. South Carolina. If I could however, just, yeah, go, um, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, however, I mean, we said that Vivek was on the show. And then yeah. 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 Was um, But I don't. I don't That's think awesome. so. And so what happened? What makes a difference if she loses by 20 points in South Carolina? It's not like everyone's like, well, then it will be bad for her in four years. I mean, I, I just don't buy that. I was just going to say there's an argument in the Republican Party right now that Nikki needs to drop out. We have to coalesce around Trump, like send all the fundraising dollars there. I totally disagree with that. I think mm. what she's doing is good for the Republican Party. How so? Because the Democrats want to paint the GOP as a personality cult for Trump. Nikki is Democrats showing it's that. not true. Republican the voters majority, are doing that. I understand while that. The majority of them are totally in the tank for Trump, 100%. But there is a sizable minority that disagrees with him and what he's done and his policies. And the longer Nikki Haley holds out, 
But what that states will they the come out in? Because thus far, we've Biden heard that, but we that haven't argument. seen any of those people show up. I'm anywhere. not saying she's viable. I'm just saying in the message. Mm-hmm. No, we're just saying those people more difficult as voters. They do. Where are they? And why have they not shown up? I'm saying they show up in national polls and they show up in New Hampshire and all these other states where she's spending money. New Hampshire also had Democrats that were voting in the polls. Like I'm, I'm, there are 5,000 Democrats that switch parties. There are hundreds of thousands of voters in New Hampshire. There, there's a long thing. route to go yeah. to the Republican nomination, but there is no mathematical path for Nikki I'm not saying there is. I'm saying from You're a messaging saying, standpoint, okay. what she's doing is good for the Republican Party because it brushes against this pitch that it's a personality cult for Trump, which the majority of it may be, but there's a sizable amount that's not. She's right. I mean, I think, look, as, a, as someone who desperately wants Joe Biden to win, uh, the best thing for the Biden campaign right now would be for Nikki Haley to drop out so that you can just consistently every day paint Hammer this Biden as a choice Trump. between crazy and normal. Okay. The more, right. the, just one Last more thing. Week, yeah. So the, the more people I see from like definite <laughs> Trump spokespeople that are saying Nikki needs to drop out means that she shouldn't drop out. Okay. By the way, uh, Jason Miller, uh, senior advisor to President Trump, should be coming up here in about 20 minutes' time. All right. Still much more ahead here on the Hill, including Tucker Carlson's interview with the Russian president, President Vladimir Putin. What was said there? We'll show you some on the other side of the break. And I'll talk with the Georgia Congressman Rich McCormick, member of the House Foreign Affairs Committee. Get his reaction. That's when the Hill returns. Stay with us. Okay, welcome back to The Hill here on News Nation. Now, minutes ago, the former Fox News host Tucker Carlson released his interview with the Russian president, Vladimir Putin. It's the first time that Putin has sat down with an American media outlet since before Russia invaded Ukraine, which is now nearing its two-year mark. The interview, more than two hours long, so we haven't seen the whole thing. Putin was asked, though, about his last conversation with President Biden. Now, in video from the Tucker Carlson Network, here is what he said. I said to him then, I believe that you are making a huge mistake of historic proportions by supporting everything that is happening there, in Ukraine, by pushing Russia away. I told him, told him repeatedly, by the way. Okay, so here's some of the headlines. Putin says he hasn't spoken to the president since February 2022. He says his country and China complement each other in a quote-unquote balanced manner in fields of high technology and energy. Um, He says he has a, quote-unquote, good personal relationship with the former president, Donald Trump. No, dear. Oh, dear. No, I just, I I have a question for you, actually. How did he, how do you think he got that interview? No clue. Lobbing a lot of praise on Putin. I mean, it's just interesting, that's who he picked, but then with him then saying he gets along great with... Trump. I mean, he's got a big audience. I don't. Yeah. I think he probably just asked, honestly. I, I mean, I, I <laughs> the way the world no works idea. now. No idea. Don't don't want to try to get inside. <laughs> that would be my but, guess. Um, so, wh- what do you make there of? He hasn't talked to President Biden in, in basically two years. I mean, I just can't believe there's a side of this where people are siding with Putin over our own president, no matter how inept you think he is. I mean, this is just a, a crazy, crazy situation to me. I mean, I don't. I wouldn't say I wouldn't go as far to say Tucker should not be able to interview him, but I don't know who's watching this. I'm trying to imagine the audience that tunes in and thinks, oh, Vladimir Putin has some good points to make about Ukraine or about anything. I mean, this is a country that is really an enemy of ours that we have to weigh in on this conflict eventually because next he's going to expand into NATO territory and we are pledged to defend those places. All right. Joining us now is the Republican congressman. 
from the state of Georgia, Rich McCormick. He is a member of the House Armed Services and Foreign Affairs Committee. Congressman, thanks for being back here on the Hill on News Nation. Appreciate the time, sir. When you hear those comments from Vladimir Putin as a member of the committees that you sit on relevant in this case, what do you make of it? Well, I'm a, a child of the 80s. I joined the military during the Reagan years. Uh, I remember that Reagan's message was the same from 1963 to by 1989. Smaller government defeat communism. It's that simple. I, it disturbs me that it seems like Tucker Carlson really has been sympathetic to the Russian cause. He, he reads straight out of Russian propaganda. Uh, I think that Putin is nefarious at best. If you listen to the things that he says, it's not just about the old Soviet Union. It's about Peter the Great, Catherine the Great. Catherine the Great famously said, the only way for me to secure my borders is to expand them. He wants a Russian empire. He wants to expand his borders. He wants to take out uh, other countries, Moldova, uh, Latvia, Estonia. He wants to expand into NATO countries. Europe understands this vehemently. They're expanding their military. You can see what Poland's doing. Uh, we, we have a war at hand right now, and you have a commitment that we made both in the Budapest Accords and by a unanimous vote by NATO to support a friendly country. We'd much rather have a secure Europe with 70% of Europe's grain stores and other uh, unbelievable resources than a bigger, stronger Russia that's friends with China and Iran. A good personal relationship, quote unquote, with Trump, but hasn't talked to the current commander in chief in essentially two years. Do, do we, does there need to be direct dialogue there in your view, Congressman? <laughs> I, absolutely. You're talking about two essentially superpowers and Russia is on the decline, but they're going to be uh, investing 20 percent of their GDP into their military next year. Uh, now, that could bankrupt their system. It could be kind of like what happened to Gorbachev in the USSR. But I'm not going to bank on anything when you have a weapon, weaponry and, and military that's expanding that rapidly to do one thing, which is to take over a large portion of Europe and its natural resources. That worries me. And, and we have to be very, very considerate when we consider how we're going to support Ukraine and at the same time keep the American public support. So I hear your worries. And I, I also see, Congressman, what's going on here in Washington which was a border bill tied around aid for Ukraine and Israel, in the case of Ukraine, $60 billion, shot down in a matter of hours by Senate Republicans. Now the conversation is, should just the foreign aid component of it, to the tune of some $90 billion, and still the $60 billion for Ukraine, go forward? If the Senate, Congressman, were to pass that, should Mike Johnson, the House Speaker, bring it up in your chamber? I, I and would you support I think the it? best thing we could do is actually bring up each one of these bills individually. I think they can all pass in separate ways. I think the border bill is pretty simple. We already passed it. H.R. 2 was passed. The Senate sat on it. It's, it's what codifies what worked in the past. But, that, but that's it, not, it but that's not happening. So let, but, but, but that's not happening. You and I know it. Everyone in Washington knows it. So let's just move past that for a second. The reality is um, that that you might have a decision to make on the on the foreign aid component. And so that's why I wonder, and I know your position is bring it up individually, but what we're dealing with right now is potentially a $90 billion bill. So should the House Speaker put it on the floor and, and would you support that? I, I think so. Here's the thing. I think I know, I'm a big supporter of Ukraine, but I don't like the way it's designed. Biden's done a horrible job of, of selling it. He, he's giving aid to USAID and World Banks and it's going to go into Africa and everywhere but Ukraine, anywhere up but the military. Now, we do have a large force that going towards our military, but why don't we just focus on that? 
you can get people's minds wrapped around that when you have strict accountability, when you have a mission, when you have something that you're trying to achieve that applies directly to us and, and, and comes back to help us ec economically and solidifies Europe. But the way that Biden's doing it is all wrong, and he can't sell anything anyways. That's the problem with him, a confused old guy who doesn't even know how to sell his own product. All right, got to leave it there. Congressman McCormick, thanks for being back here on the Hill. Appreciate it. Talk to you soon. Yep. May Mailman, come on in. Curious what you make of, of what you just heard from the congressman and what we were talking about there off the top. Yeah. So with the Tucker Carlson interview, I think there's a couple of things that are really driving people's interest here. And one is a frustration with, with what's been going on on the home front, which is a total lack of information. We don't know exactly how the money's being spent or how the money is being proposed to be spent. We don't know what the end goal is. If we've devastated 90% or something of the Russian military force, not we, but the U Ukrainian forces have, is that a win? You know, what, what are we doing? And there's this massive frustration about a lack of information and a lack of clarity that I think is drawing people to just be curious, to want to learn more. And then there's also this like forbidden fruit thing, I think, where if you even question anything about Ukraine, you're a Putin ally and, you know, you don't care about America. And, and so it also just drives people to this curiosity. What is so dangerous that I can't even ask questions about? Okay. Former Congressman Rose, what'd you hear from the, the congressman from Georgia? I, I tell you, man, these people will go to any lengths to criticize Joe Biden, even when, <laughs> even when they agree with him on policy. It's like, but he can't sell. It was a little crazy. Ultimately, Speaker Mike Johnson is okay. losing support left and right. And right there, you saw as a leader in the Republican Party openly disagreeing with his own speaker. OK. All right. Heading now over to Eagle Pass, Texas, the state's governor, Greg Abbott, holding a press conference earlier today on border security. Of course, the, the other component, what got shot down here in Washington. It continues in that state to be a heated standoff with the federal government over the border. And the governor there is doubling down, still pointing the finger at President Biden and saying the crisis has never been worse. We are dealing with the biggest border crisis since America had borders. It's all because Joe Biden allowed this entire area to be penetrated by the drug cartels that smuggled in illegal immigrants. Now, U.S. Customs and Border Protection has seen more than one million migrant encounters since October 1st. Max, you just heard that from the governor. You were actually complimenting him during the break, and then he says that. Yeah, well, I'm, co <laughs> I'm complimenting the way in which he's overcome well, what, what, significant what, disability, what's, not, um, his, not his xenophobic policy but, views. But, but you, you believe he's been effective? Well, I think certainly the, if you look at it from a strictly amoral standpoint, uh, his really horrible shipping of um, undocumented migrants to blue cities has been effective in terms of politicizing this issue. But what's fascinating here about both the governor as well as the Republican Party is now this horrific stalemate that they're in. For more than a year, they were saying, pass H.R. 2, pass H.R. 2, this needs a legislative fix. Then they said, we're not going to get before U Ukraine and Israel spending unless you put some type of border legislative fix. Then the Democrats and the Republicans get together and they do so. And suddenly they say, this does not require legislation. They don't know what to do if the border is actually addressed because they need the political issue and they are not patriots. They only care about politics. So what is he supposed to do instead, the governor of Texas? 
Well, the governor of Texas right now, that's not the point that I'm making. What well, I'm I just want to know a, what your policy alternative is because well, you're criticizing it. Sure, certainly. Yeah. I think that we, we need much more investment into our asylum courts. I think you would actually Federally, agree. but what is yeah. the state that is being completely overrun and doesn't have resources supposed to do? Well, about I, I think that when it comes to the governor, the he border. can do what so many other governors are doing, which is, first of all, appeal for federal legislation. That's number one, right? We have a federal system. So governors across the nation often appeal to our nation's capital to address something. And certainly him being a leader in the Republican Party, if he did that, if he put country first and actually did that, went to Washington, D.C., went to the, Washington, the implications okay. of that would be seismic. Just a and for once, for once the things. leader of the Republican Party, a leader in the Republican sure. Party, would actually put the country first. And that'd be an amazing thing to see. If yeah, Governor Abbott called upon his, if he called upon his Republican cohorts in the oh, House and in the Senate and said that we need to get this done, because he is the one who is suffering, I would probably argue more than most. Um, at the end of the day, if he was to do that, then we would be in a different place. He's not willing to do it, and his, and, and quite frankly, Republicans aren't willing to actually see a change happen because they want Trump to be able to run on it. He squashed this bill. He squandered it, even though Republicans wrote it. Mm. The policy is pretty bad in the bill if you look at some of the stuff, especially in regards to asylum. But the bottom line is the president does have the ability to stop what's happening at the border. And he has it through executive action. So that's and that, you know this. So why were they pushing HR2 for so long? HR2 is never going to pass. Never the Senate pa- bill is oh. never so going to pass. That's, I that's mean, my, like, this that's is my like question. So, and- and we've been asking the White but House. Why weren't they so bad three years ago when, I mean, I, when Donald Trump was in, the border wasn't this bad. And it's bad. And this is never, the Republicans are never going to get blamed for the border. Joe Biden has done Arguably nothing. Arguably the situation in these the individuals' home uh, countries has gotten a lot worse in the past four years. If you're asking why more oh, people are coming across, I'm saying there are things that have gotten worse where they are where they resided well, before. And our country has gotten a lot worse there. in the last four but years. To be fair, as the New York Times argued, the editorial board, there are major poll factors that Democrats so, did message at the beginning of the administration and in the 2020 Democratic primary. Everyone raised their hands for publicly funded programs for illegal migrants and many hundreds of interviews of migrants coming across, and they're very genuine say that so, made me want to search for a better opportunity so that I, made me come I, I think it's a very reasonable question to ask and it's why we've been reaching out to the white house in the recent days to try to get someone on this show what are the executive actions that president biden is going to take right whatever happened in the past and you can argue the politics and the policy right. but we're here now like th- this is where we are and so whether you agree that he should take actions or he shouldn't it's a reasonable question to to your point to ask Okay, is he going to do anything? If so, what is it and when? Gotta le- I, I got to leave it there. May Mailman, uh, I want to say thank you for the time. May Mailman hanging out with us from uh, Ohio, I believe, former Trump White House attorney. May, thank you. We'll catch you soon. All right, coming up on the other side of the break, the reason why I needed to jump in, Jason Miller, advisor to President Donald Trump, joining us here on the Hill on the other side. Stay with us. We'll be right back with Jason. decision for mishandling classified documents. The special counsel, Robert Herr, saying that even though the president, quote, willfully retained and disclosed classified material after his vice presidency, there were multiple reasons why he thought a jury could find reasonable doubt and thus no charges. President Biden spoke earlier today saying he was pleased with the decision, a right one, he said. Watch. 
Bottom line is the special counsel, in my case, decided against moving forward with any charges. And this matter is now closed. Joining us now to discuss, Jason Miller, senior advisor for Donald Trump. Jason, thanks for being here. I know you rushed on in. We appreciate you doing so, and, and thanks for the time. When the decision came down today, I wonder what, what went through your mind and how, if at all, this changes the campaign from the Trump perspective. Well, it definitely changes the campaign. I mean, the first thought that came into my mind was more the political one about what this means for November and Joe Biden's prospects. But after a moment, I realized this is bad news for the country. How can we expect any foreign leader, any foreign adversary to look at Joe Biden and have any aspect of deterrence or be concerned at all that America is going to be strong, is going to forcefully push back? And to be clear with the report that came out today, wasn't saying that Joe Biden shouldn't be prosecuted because of the merits. It was saying don't prosecute him because we view him as being elderly and feeble and that jurors could look and say, this isn't someone who knows, these are my words here, doesn't know at all what's going on. And this is really concerning, I think, for the country. You, you say you've, you thought about the campaign, but, but does it change it at all or are opinions baked in? Well, no, it, it does, because number one, it showed that there's very clearly a level of a two-tiered system of justice, that there's a selective prosecution game that's going on here. And from our perspective, this is very much election interference. I think the whole reason why these uh, these legal attacks are happening against President Trump is to try to cover up for what we're seeing with Joe Biden. And the fact of the matter is that Joe Biden, even tonight, while he was trying to explain, or I guess is later this afternoon, trying to explain things away, he said he was first elected 40 years ago. Well, it was 50 years ago. He's talking about wanting to be a president for people from both the red states and the green states. Well, usually people talk about red and the blue. Even we, talk, we see the comments over this last week where he's getting uh, things confused, saying he was speaking to Mitterrand or to Helmut Kohl. And the report is chock full of examples where Joe Biden didn't know what year it was. He didn't know when he was vice president, didn't know when key things had happened in his life. This is really concerning. And I imagine Nick a lot of Democrats are looking right now and saying, man, we got to go with somebody else. Nikki, Nikki Haley says he should take a competency test. Do you agree with Nikki Haley? And should Donald Trump do one publicly, too? I mean, he's he's in his late 70s and has had his own mix ups recently. Well, we all know that President Trump aced those such tests in the past. Uh, everybody should take some sort of test. I mean, that's a, a no brainer when it comes to that. But here's the thing on but here, here's the thing when it comes to Joe Biden and taking any sort of a test. I don't even know if he'd get his name right. You know, you, you, they used to say on the SAT, you'd get 200 points if you spelled your name right. I don't even know if Joe Biden could get that right. I mean, this is he's really diminished capacity at this point. And again, this is much bigger than politics. This is about concern about who's actually running the country. Think about it, Blake, for a moment. When Lloyd Austin, was MIA. We found out that he was in the hospital and incapacitated. Joe Biden was left with the nuclear codes. That's got to be scary. Um, I, I got to run, Jason, but Nikki Haley, of course, she's still in the race. There's the Nevada caucuses tonight. Has Nikki Haley, in your view, earned the right to stay through to Super Tuesday? No, Nikki Haley has lost 123 out of 125 counties for the states that she's uh, participated or contested so far. And the fact in one of those counties that she won was by literally by one vote. That's it. Nikki Haley lost to none of the above on Tuesday in the state primary in Nevada, forfeited her opportunity to get any delegates, which is tonight so in Nevada. Out. So if you're watching, if you're in Nevada, go caucus. 
Oh, absolutely she should drop out. This is a complete joke at this point. The only reason why Nikki Haley is running is, I guess, out of a favor for her donors, Reed Hoffman, all the rest of the Democrats and liberal never-Trumpers. It's a joke. Nikki Haley's a joke. She needs to get out of the race. Jason, I got to leave it there. And again, thank you for the time uh, and, and rushing on over. We'll have you back soon. Jason Miller, senior advisor to Donald Trump. Jason, thanks. Uh, to the Democrats, you would say what to that? I would say, look at your own candidate. At the end of the day, and I like that you brought it up, there have been some flubs, many flubs, that Donald J. Trump has done as well or has had as well. These are two men who are in their older years. It's expected. It is what it is. I don't think that today's um, today's commentary is going to make a darn bit of difference in an election in November. First of all, a fascist never looks so good in that pinstripe suit. <laughs> Second of all, okay, this is not about flubs. This is not about competency tests. This is about record. Joe Biden rescued the economy. Joe Biden has been a leader both at home as well as on the world stage. And look at America's economy right now outperforming all the rest of the world's industrialized economies and compare that to the chaos and crazy and criminality of the Trump years. That's the comparison that matters. That's your final message. You started the show wanting to talk about the Knicks instead. You got your point. (laughs) Last thoughts from you two, Lauren. Well, I'm not going to even address the economic point, which I don't agree with my friend on. But I was going to defend you. I was going to say this is a good point about Trump having some issues, too. The difference with Trump is since he's a celebrity and not considered a former president and a politician, even though he should be, I've never seen anything like it. Okay. He is held to a different standard, Absolutely. and it's an unfair standard. Well, and, and I do just have to. The, the the problem is, is the economy isn't better. Maybe from a bigger perspective, but not from how people are buying their groceries and how expensive their groceries are, et cetera, et cetera. Which we all know we can debate. But also, the the, the president's policies aren't working. Look what's happening at the border that we just talked about. And we talk about almost every day on this show. So I, I would love him to run on his issue. I think he'll lose. Oh. Got to leave it there. Uh, it was fun to have you all in on the other side of the break. Leland Vitter, host of On Balance. By the way, have you seen why China is upset with Leo Messi? I'll discuss with Leland. We'll see you in a few. Thank you all. That was great. That was a lot of fun. His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams... Thanks for everything, Mom and Dad. ...will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. This message is from the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs. Veterans, do you take medication? At VA, prescriptions have a range of copay levels, from free to $5, $8, or $11 for a 30-day prescription, depending on your eligibility. Refill by mail, in person, or on VA's mobile app. Sign up at va.gov or call one 800 my va 411. Grandpa, look what I got. Wait till you see the bike we got for Jake. It is the coolest thing. Hearing loss happens gradually with age, making it easy to ignore. Yet most older Americans aren't getting their hearing tested. Dad, can you hear me? Untreated hearing loss can keep your loved ones from enjoying what they cherish most. Don't let that happen. Speak up about hearing loss. You'll be glad you did. Brought to you by the American Speech-Language Hearing Association. 
Every child deserves the best teachers, facilities, and academic programs to set them up for success. At Milton Hershey School in Hershey, Pennsylvania, we make that a reality for children from qualifying families who are looking for greater opportunities. Milton Hershey School enrolls students from pre-K through 12th grade from across the United States to live and learn on a beautiful state-of-the-art campus with all costs covered. Are you looking to set your child up for success or know a child who could benefit from Milton Hershey School? Learn more at mhskids.org admissions. Sports allow us to play, learn, and grow. But there's something more important than victory. At the U.S. Center for Safe Sport, we believe every athlete deserves to be safe. Safe from abuse and misconduct on and off the field. We equip athletes, parents, coaches, and others with the right education to recognize, prevent, and respond to harmful behavior. Join the movement to champion respect and end abuse at uscenterforsafesport.org. This is the News Nation audio stream, available 24-7 on the News Nation app or on Alexa. Just say, play News Nation. Dear hero, whoever you are, you save lives. I live with sickle cell and the pain and the issues that come along with sickle cell every day. I'm most grateful that people are willing to go out there and take their time, their blood, and give me new life. Because of you, I'm allowed to see my son grow up. Giving equals living. Give blood. Replenish the supply. Learn more at hhs.gov slash giveblood. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Pass it on. Today my bank made a big mistake, but I forgave them. My server spilled water on me, but I forgave him. My toddler drew lipstick on the wall. Was I ever mad? It got me thinking. I can forgive my bank and my server, but I'm upset with my own kid? I mean, what's most important here? So, tonight... The two of us are doing lipstick art. On paper, forgiveness is in you. Pass it on. From PassItOn.com. Want to get out of just about anything and look like an earth-saving hero? Just use the environment excuse. High school reunion? Sorry, can't. Planetary obligations. Unfortunate bridesmaid's dress? Unfortunately, you promised the climate you'd buy more vintage. Chauffeuring teens? The earth really needs them to hoof it. The environment is always the best excuse. Find your out and opt in to cutting carbon. Just visit theenvironmentexcuse.org. Brought to you by WildAid. Today alone, 5,370 people in the United States will be diagnosed with cancer. That's why Stand Up to Cancer funds and develops the newest and most promising cancer treatments. Stand Up to Cancer wants to provide you with every opportunity to join in this mission. By donating your home, land, or commercial property, you can help Stand Up to Cancer fund innovative cancer research. Stand Up to Cancer makes the process easy, and it may be tax-deductible. Visit StandUpToCancer.org slash GiveProperty to learn more. All right, so before we say goodbye, a story that caught my eye. The international soccer superstar Leo Messi is playing defense after drawing public backlash in China. Now, the controversy beginning over the weekend with Messi not appearing for a match with his uh, team here in the U.S. with a friendly in Hong Kong. Messi was declared unfit to play. Well, just three days later, the backlash escalated when he showed up in Japan and played. Good enough to play in Japan, not good enough to play in Hong Kong. Leland Vitter, they are not thrilled in China. Just ask the NBA how that works out <laughs> how for that you. Works out. Yeah, the not geo- well. The geo- 